Hey everyone, welcome back to the Leadership Locker. It's Rich Cardona and man, I am so excited about today's episode. But if this is your first time joining, just understand you're in the right place. If you're an aspiring entrepreneur, a new entrepreneur, someone who's just in the thick of it right now and is just battling all kinds of different problems, I have industry experts and influencers on. Every Wednesday on Mondays and Fridays, you're gonna hear from me about what I've learned or about my journey uh, because I know we're all just on a similar path and, and just working towards just scaling and enjoying our business and our our lives fully. Now, before I talk about our guest, I have to talk to you about something that took place today. And that was, I was doing some interviewing for more personnel for my team. You know why? Because my ops lead, Ellie, is so incredible. And she's been with me for over a year that now it's time to get more, more of that caliber talent, more of that affordable caliber talent that really helps the business run. And the only reason that's possible is because of rocketstation.com. Okay, so they're based out of Dallas and their VAs, Ellie's an ops lead for me. So she's she's not a VA. She's, I mean, beyond capable of some of the administrative things that we stereotypically think about when it comes to VAs. But they're based out of Dallas, they're international, the actual talent, and I have full-time, part-time options, social media manager, Whatever it is that you need as an entrepreneur whose head is spinning all the time, especially if you're a solopreneur, you already know that your day-to-day is slowed down by all the things that you just don't need to be paying attention to or don't need to be dealing with, and that can be delegated. That is the first thing that actually started getting the business to where it needed to be. Okay, you could email brooks at rocketstation.com or you could go to landing.rocketstation.com. And you also, if you mention me or the Leadership Locker, you'll get $500 off your process development, which means during the intake, before you're even interviewing people, you are gonna have a process mapping of what you need done, how you need it done, and they're gonna map it out for you so that way it's clear, it's concise, and it's ready to go so that way when you find that dream candidate, they're already gonna be able to hit the ground running because they've taken the process out of your head and documented it. So, rocketstation.com, that's that. Now look, Melinda Livesey, she is someone I met through, someone I've hired for coaching. His name's Chris Doe. Chris is gonna be on the show here soon, but there is something about Melinda that is just, I don't think I'm ever wrong when I when it gets to this, but there's something sincere, there's something altruistic, but it's also piled on top of her drive, okay? And this is someone who has created a life for herself from designer to brand strategist. Now we're gonna talk about brand strategy, but As always, these lessons apply across entrepreneurship, no matter what the fuck you do. You have to know that, okay? Like, I don't care what I title these episodes. You have to know that these lessons are not generic or specific in any way. They're not specific to the industry and they're not generic enough, meaning they're not just anyone can use them. Only entrepreneurs only people who are going through it will understand some of the problems that we discuss and some of the solutions that are articulated. And that's why listenership has gone on ridiculously. And that's why I'm able to get ridiculous caliber guests like Melinda Livesey. Now she's going to talk to you about how she went from design to brand strategy. But here's the thing. I mentioned Chris Doe and how I got coaching from him. Well, she was getting like a ton of coaching from him and it's all on YouTube. The amount of role plays they did together was insane. And you can literally watch her evolve. And we discussed this at the end of the podcast, but we watch her just evolve into someone who is coming from a place of doubt, scarcity mindset, you know, just nervousness and and angst in this new business and their offering and the prices and what to say and how to do it to just being completely and utterly confident. And you could tell by her Instagram content, it's at Melinda Livesey, but you can tell it's like, it is like point blank in your face. It is not overdone. It is, it is just matter of fact information that is going to educate you on brand strategy, whether you are trying to incorporate it or whether you are trying to teach it or whether you are yourself a brand strategist. And that is what we want here on the Leadership Locker. We want people who want to teach. 
Now, another thing we talk about is just the pivot itself, okay? Like going from design to brand strategy. There was a curiosity there that, and she was afforded the opportunity, but there was a curiosity there. And then almost it was just a calling because she realized that while she was a great designer, there was an entire element missing and that was brand strategy now we've all been there right like we've all been there for me i thought i was going to be storytelling through a lens of a camera and i do but i initially thought it was photography and then it went to video and then it went to content creation these things evolved this is a progressive uncovering and she is a fantastic fantastic example of that and you are going to get real examples of some of the things that she's come across you're gonna get real examples of some of the questions that come up when it comes to people's reluctance to even give a shit about strategy. And you're gonna learn why it's so important in your positioning to just educate the hell out of people. And I lose sight of that sometimes too, because you know why? Because I love doing this podcast. And sometimes I just like to say what the hell I gotta say, and I'm actually not necessarily educating you. But that's also why I have people like Melinda on. So we're gonna get right into it. Here we go. All right, everyone. So you just heard the awesome intro. I'm here with Melinda and I like to get straight to the point, but we'll begin at the beginning and let her just tell you a little bit about uh, what she's up to right now and how she got there and we'll kick it off. So Melinda, thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, My name is Melinda Livesey and I am a brand strategist, but I also teach other aspiring brand strategists how to do the same thing. And I originally started out as a graphic designer, worked in corporate and then moved into the branding world. So that's how I got there. This is actually perfect. And I, I, we were just warming up everyone, and I was just like, I don't really do a ton of research, but brand strategy, and I am a media company owner, brand strategy, until I met Chris Doe, and, or started learning from Chris Doe, and then found you and some of the other awesome people in the group, I was like, brand strategy? Like, brand is like, get some cool letters, get the logo, and just be on your way because nothing else, it doesn't matter that much. But uh, I've come to learn the complete opposite. Uh, So tell us exactly what brand strategy is and why sometimes it gets left by the wayside in people's minds in the beginning of their journeys. Yeah, and it was something I didn't know about either. So you're not the only one. (laughs) Uh, So years ago, I started as a graphic designer and I always thought that brand meant what you were talking about. So identity, the colors, the the typeface, the fonts that you would use and how it looks. And then I learned that quickly I couldn't design. I I couldn't do things because I didn't know who I was designing for. And I didn't even know that was the issue. But then when I learned what brand strategy was, I realized, oh, this is what I was missing this whole time when I was trying to design all those things for the brand is that it, it goes beyond what the brand looks like. It's really a, an emotional connection between a business and their ideal customer. So I like to think of it as matchmaking. I got this from Yo Santosa. She once said that branding is like matchmaking, where we as the strategist is, are the matchmakers, where we're trying to find out what's unique about the business and the brand that's going to connect emotionally with the ideal customer. So that goes beyond the look and the feel, but it goes into how the business shows up, how they handle every single customer touch point, every time that a customer interacts with the business. What does that feel like? What does it sound like? How are they talked to? What's the messaging? And what does it look like? But it, but it goes beyond um, just what, what it would look like. And I think that's a misconception. A lot of people think that branding is just what it looks like. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, differentiation is is critical. I could be out on a limb here, but I'm sure when you're talking to prospects or when you're initially talking with clients who you take on, that there's probably not a different, a lot of differentiation in the language. And this is something I feel like, um, you know, brands or people with lack of a brand struggle with is getting a little bit deeper. So like, how do you get people to, I like to say unwrap, how do you unwrap them to where they're giving you exactly what you need to be like, now we can actually do something. So how I go about the branding process too is meeting with clients and we're having a face-to-face meeting through over a couple of days and it's with everyone. You emphasized face-to-face. Sorry, why do you say (laughs) face-to-face? Face-to-face because I want to see their body language. I want to... um, I want to see and feel the emotion that's behind what they're saying. Because usually when we start a business, 
it comes from a core purpose. I come from the belief of Simon Sinek, start with why, as far as like what, why we do what we do. Usually it stems from a core story or a struggle that we've had or that we've seen in the world and we want that to change. And we're very passionate about it. We're purpose-driven. And I want to hear that emotion behind that. I want to hear the backstory. I want to hear where did that first start? Like what happens when you were a child? Like I go way back even into childhood to find these stories. And so face-to-face, a Zoom, you know, that works too. Um, As long as I can see, see the person and, um, and interact with them. So we dig into that to get even the, like the personality, like we want to surface the personality and the character and everything that makes the business unique. It stems from the founder and what makes the founder unique and the story of why they started the business in the first place unique. So it stems from that. And if we can get that out and surfaced, and then we get to know the ideal customer and why would they even care about the business? Why would they buy into it? what are they maybe struggling with or what's a goal or aspiration that they're reaching towards that they want to get to that the business can help them with. And we try to find this, it's like language to unlock that connection between the two. So if we can find out all those interesting stories of the brand and the business and the founder, and then we know the customer really well and what they want, then we can create a story and touch points and messaging that is going to make that connection, that relationship click once they meet each other. Absolutely. Uh, If you have not heard of this book, I highly recommend it. It's called Stories That Stick by Kendra Hall. And she talks about, you know, the four stories that everyone should be ready to tell, especially in business. You know, the founder story, the origin story, the customer story, and the value story. Like those things I feel like are a precursor. If that's all lined up before they get to you, then like game over. It's going to be amazing. Like you guys are going to just take off like a rocket ship. So now you're doing the brand strategy. Now you're doing the digging, you're tying the emotional connections, you're tying the reason the business exists and probably getting into goals and these types of things. However, you know, again, brand strategy is kind of one of those things that people feel like they can skip. So in some of your other maybe design work and some of the stuff I've done, especially after, you know, listening to Chris and stuff like that, I'm like, well, wait a second, wait a second. I know you want video or I know you want a podcast, but it's important for me to be able to diagnose what's going on, for me to understand exactly who it is you're working with and everything like that. This is a very, very common objection, and I've heard you talk about it before. Uh, And this isn't even about price or any of that stuff yet. This is literally about arming you to do the best job possible. But it still seems like a really difficult task. How do you back people up from their predisposed notion to be like, Melinda, like, this is all I need. Like, relax. Like, this is all I need. We don't need to begin at the beginning. How, how do you even bring them back uh, and just convince them that that's a wise business decision? I, <laughs> it's probably not the answer you're looking for, but I, I don't. Because if the person is, it does not see it as a problem, if they believe that this is where just going to the very end and not taking all that time to sharpen the ax as they say, and they want to go out and just go jump to the very end, by all means, go for it. Cause I'm not into convincing or, you know, explaining or whatnot. Cause I, it's very few and far between that someone's like, Oh yes, I'm going to change my mind and I'm going to do that. That's a good idea. So by the time they come to me now beforehand, if we're just chatting and I'm saying, Hey, this is why you should, you should do this first. It's, it was that, that famous quote, if I'm going to cut down a tree, I'm going to spend most of the time sharpening the ax. And that's what what this is. If we don't know what we're trying to do with, um, let's say, I'm going to want to use a specific example. Like someone might come and they say, hey, I need my social media done. Like I I need posts for my social media, let's just say. And you're like, okay, well, well, who are you talking to? What do they need? Why should they care? Because if you don't have those things in place, you're going to be wasting your money. I think that's the biggest thing. If, if I were to tell anyone that's objecting to this and they're they're thinking those things, like, I'm not going to spend all this time and money on brand strategy. Well, by all means, go for the end thing of like the social media and the logos and the design, but it might not work. It, it might not. And you might be wasting your money. And I think that's the number one thing I'm seeing businesses do wasting their money on marketing, wasting their money on design because they didn't have a clear goal and a clear focus and target of who they were trying to attract in the first place with it. 
And so then they, they do it and it falls flat and it doesn't get them the results they want. It doesn't bring in the new market that they were trying to tap into. It doesn't bring them the more customers or it doesn't allow them to charge a higher price. And, um, and with branding, branding in the long run helps. This is from Marty Neumeier. It, it helps you get more customers over a longer period of time at a premium price. I mean, what business would not want all three of those things. Yeah. And and that is a long-term play. Like you have to put in the work and the planning and and making sure that you are focused on the target that you're aiming at to be able to hit that long-term goal. But if you're just looking for something quick, that's where I'm seeing businesses skip that step because they're worried and they're scared mm-hmm. and they want to make a sale and then they forego all of the planning that they needed. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so hard in the beginning because it's like one of, it's this is this is I'm I'm a butcher something now. One of my friends and his wife, they found out she's pregnant. I'm like, here's some unsolicited advice. Don't take any unsolicited advice from parents because none of us know what we're doing. You know, and I'm just like, it's this, in the beginning of entrepreneurship, everyone's gonna tell you, you should blank. You should get an accountant, you should get a lawyer, you should be an LLC, you should be an S-Corp, you should get a website, you should have a Shopify, like all these things. It's really hard to focus on what's important. But as I've learned, and I've had to backtrack, so I'm living proof of what she's saying, is I didn't necessarily have some of these things ironed out. So I've had to kind of do extra legwork in order to, and and I've, I've been using the people in our circle and our ecosystem to kind of help me along with that. And now I've landed somewhere where I feel much more confident. Now, let me ask you this. That being said, you can iron out your customer and you can iron out some of your goals, but you and I both know those things can change. Uh, maybe you're six months into it or a year into it and you'd be like, I'm not sure this is exactly who I should be talking to. I seem to be attracting these type of people, which was unexpected, but I actually love serving them. So what do you tell people when they've worked with you or worked with someone like you and then their mind kind of shifts a little bit? Like, uh, you know, should they be concerned about that or is that normal? Oh, that's completely normal. And I would say strategy is not a one and done forever. And that and that's the way it is. We we need to course correct too. Like we need to to test out the strategy. So we we know where we're aiming. This is the plan. This is how we're gonna get to where we're going. Then we implement those things. So we actually write the messaging that's gonna connect with this customer. We create the design that's gonna attract them and we test it. So as long as the the client or let's say the business owner isn't questioning it just because they're thinking about it in their head and they're like, oh no, this is the wrong person. This is not it. They need to go out and validate that. So go out, validate it, put implement the strategy, whatever that was and how you were going to get to that customer, get some customers, see what happens. And then then that's testing the strategy. It's almost like an experiment. You're, you have a hypothesis like, hey, I think this is how we're going to get this type of client. Then you actually run the experiment and at the end, you're going to see whether or not your hypothesis was correct. And if it's not, that's that's still great because it gives you a ton of information to learn from and, and know what to do moving forward. As long as it's not, oh, I don't feel right about this, or maybe it's someone else because I'm seeing a lot of business owners do that without going out and actually getting things out into the marketplace, validate whether or not that's true of, of what, you, um, what you thought might work, and then course correct. And I would, I would give it at least three months, at least three months to implement a strategy to see if it works and then see, okay, this isn't working. Why is it not working? What do we need to tweak? And then shift, shift your strategy if need be, or maybe not. Maybe it just needs a little bit of tweaks as you get to know your customer. This is perfect. I want to talk about like Instagram specifically. I, I joke uh, a lot when I talk to prospects and stuff about how much they how much time and effort they want to put into Instagram. And this is just me projecting to them probably, which I need to fix. But I'm, I'm a LinkedIn guy. I'm like way bullish on LinkedIn. I love it. It's giving me my business. But I'm like, people on Instagram are broke. You know, They can't afford me or whatever. I, I, I say that kind of jokingly, but at the same time, all the inquiries and some of the engagement is from kind of the wrong audience. So what happens if, and I've seen obviously lots of your stuff and you get tons of great engagement, but what happens if you have worked with someone, the brand strategy is is ironclad and you're attracting just like the wrong people? Maybe it's financially, maybe it's just people who actually don't care about design, they just care about a really cool Instagram post. How do you reevaluate what needs to be done then? I mean, from just a 
profitable standpoint and attracting the right people and the money aspect, how do you how do you reevaluate at that point? Yeah, we would do some sort of evaluation and audit, see what's going on right now. So what kind of communications am I putting out? So if let's use me as example, if I was attracting the wrong type of audience. So currently my audience are designers who want to become brand strategists. So I am on Instagram, but let's just say I'm attracting a lot of people that are not my ideal client. They're not buying my course. Let's uh, use photographers as an example, just like, you know, people who are really techie, something like that. So it could be a little bit more real. Sure. So, um, so photographers aren't getting the, the people who could afford them for their sessions. What I would do is look at what are they, what are they putting out into the world? So what do they look like? What do they sound like? What do they say? Where are they showing up? So if they're showing up on Instagram, maybe that's not where they're customers looking for them. Maybe they're looking for them on blogs. Maybe they're looking for them on directories of some sort. Maybe they're looking for them on Pinterest. There could be, I mean, I would first look at like, where are you showing up? How are you showing up? What are you saying? And then look at what is the response that you're getting back? How are people finding you? And so if you're attracting the wrong person, it's because you're in the wrong place saying the wrong thing, but you need to evaluate what's going on very objectively. So just look at what are all the communications being put out? What does it look like? And then I'm, I know it really helped me too in the beginning to look at other businesses that I aspired to be like. We're like, man, if I just got those types of clients that that other, let's say, photographer is getting, then I would, I would love that. So then you would evaluate, okay, look at where you're at. What are you doing? What are you putting out? Look at what they're doing. And not that you're doing it to copy them at all, but you want to see how do they show up in the world? Why do you think that they are attracting the type of client you want and you're not attracting them? And evaluate that and then start breaking it down into what are the things then that need to change that you can try out to get more of that type of client versus the one that you currently are. All right, everyone, quick break. I mentioned it at the beginning. I'm going to remind you, rocketstation.com. That is where I got, I would say, just an unbelievable save uh, in terms of the help I needed. Okay. And I think I mentioned this before, and I'm not, I'm not even going to be shy about it. I lost my chief operating officer. Well, guess what? The business coach that I've been working with monthly, we, we, when that happened, we, we talked about it. It's like, what, what was your chief operating officer doing? Why do you even have a chief operating officer? Sometimes we fall in love with the, the, the roles and responsibilities when ultimately these things, I mean, you do not have to make it sexy. I have an ops lead now who fulfills all the responsibilities that a chief operating officer used to do. And I could not be more proud of her and I could not be more behind her because she shows up to work ready to go. She has the initiative. She's completely resourceful. She takes feedback very well. She gives me feedback. That's exactly what I want. I don't want just someone who's I'm outsourcing some shit to and I don't have a relationship with. I actually care for them. And I know she cares for the business and I believe she cares for me as well. And that's why I'm going and I'm trying to get more because I know this is going to be huge, huge in helping me accomplish my goals, which is what we all want. We need help. We know we can't do it alone. So email brooks at rocketstation.com or go to landing at rocketstation.com. You can visit that page and just check it out. Mention me. You will get the hookup. Stop sleeping on help. Get it and go forward. Let's get back to the show. Now, I want to highlight something that you said, which is really important, uh, which is, you know, you were in design and then you went to brand strategy uh, and became a brand strategist. And I'm all about pivoting. As a matter of fact, I I believe this podcast is kind of heading in that direction where, you know, you acutely went through something. So it it completely makes sense that you want to help others do the same, which is obviously why I'm trying to do this. I'd love act two of our lives, right? I always say act two is about you. But that's a very intimidating, sometimes visceral experience when you're kind of leaving what you know and know well for something else that has intrigued you, that has made you curious. Can you talk to me about what that pivot was like? It's clear that you're an expert, but I'm sure you didn't feel like that all the time. Uh, talk to me about when you made the decision to switch switch gears. Yeah. So I was, at that point, I was a designer for probably eight or nine years and I had worked corporate. I had worked a little bit in agencies. And then the last job I was at, 
they dissolved the creative department. So I thought, okay, this is my chance to go out on my own. I got this. I want to be a brand identity designer. So what we were talking about, the look and the feel of the brand. Um, I started that business and I just ran into some issues with um, clients, clients wanting a lot of revisions. And it wasn't the issue with the client. It was an issue with my process. It, it was like a stress test. It revealed the weaknesses in my own process um, in working with them. So a lot of revisions. I felt like I wasn't really getting what they wanted, how they wanted to communicate or the type of person they want to attract. There was just a lot of missing information. I knew that I could up-level my business. And I just, I wanted to work on really good brands and bigger brands and solve bigger problems. And so then I met my coach, Christo, and um, he introduced me to the world of brand strategy. And he said, I really think that is the missing piece for you. I think that that's going to really open up your world that you're going to be able to work on those bigger projects and solve bigger brand problems. And so I started learning it. Oh my gosh, I had so many questions because it was this whole new world of, I was missing a lot of information that I needed to build a great brand for my clients. And this was what I felt like the key that opened up everything for me. So what I did when I made that pivot is I had a group of friends that were making a similar pivot we formed a study group and we met once a week and we would go practice our strategy or our strategy with each other. So we, we would do it for each other on each other's businesses. And then we would go out and work with clients, come back and share with the group, hey, this worked, this didn't, here's how I handled this. Because there was a lot of questions of like, well, do you do the same thing with a B2B client as you do with a B2C client? And what if they're this big or what if they don't know their ideal client? And so we had all these questions as we were trying it out. And um, I had that group to fall back on and to, and to work with and ask questions for about six months. And during that time, I offered, um, I offered five strategy sessions for previous clients, a family member who had a business, um, a friend who had a business. And I said, hey, I have this new, new thing, this new service that I want to try out. Would you be open to me going through it with you? I showed them an example for my friend. I said, this is what my friend has done. This is the type of thing I'd like to do with permission. I had permission from her. But um, I showed, this is the type of thing that I would love to do with you. I think it would be really helpful for you to know who you're talking to. And it will make all your marketing, all your all your other decisions, especially in marketing and design, easier if you do this first. And I said, I'll do it for free. How about that? Ooh, to get case yeah. studies. Yeah. So I wanted to get case studies. I wanted also to practice because I wasn't that sure of myself at that time. And it, it went really well. Some of them were, you know, a little shaky. Others were great. I learned a ton. And then I got to the point where I felt confident enough to start charging. And that's where I think the first one I charged for had some design with it. And I charged $1,000. And I said, yes, I can do that design. But I'm going to start with this strategy. Are you okay with that? They said, yeah. The next one I charged $2,500. The next one $5,000. The next one $10,000. And so on. So... So I kept doubling because I'm like, oh no, this is more valuable. This is more valuable than what I'm charging. I got to I gotta go higher. So I would over deliver every single time. Yes. And then it showed myself, it gave myself the confidence to see, oh, this is way more valuable than what I'm charging. I need to charge more next time. Yeah, let me interject really quick. So I, I just made a podcast about this because I've been, I have pricing creativity right over here. I have win without pitching over there. I've listened to Blair Ends all the time. And, you know, there's a part where he talks about penetration pricing, uh, which in your case was actually free. It wasn't just a, a low price, but you were doing it for a very specific reason, which was not only for the case studies, but to see where you were probably flawed. And I think it's really, really important for people to understand that that's not a bad thing. Like, I'm very against the belief that people who criticize free work you know, say that really undervalues you. If you are able to confidently explain why you're doing that, then you're going to end up in a situation just like you. I mean, you went from zero to a thousand to twenty five hundred. I mean, like, what? I'm I'm not going to do public math, but the percentage increase on those is substantial. And you, it actually helped you to to realize like this is far more valuable. Now, let me ask you this. That being said, when you went from one thousand to twenty five hundred. Were you nervous? Were you anxious? How did you even present it without shaking and, and being worried about what they were going to say? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I believe in it. I 100% believe in it. And I think that is, that was, that's one of the biggest things because I get people asking me like, how do you explain the value of brand strategy? I said, well, what value do you think there is in it? You tell me what value you see in it. Because if you don't believe it, then... How are you ever going to sell it? Why would a client believe you? 
you don't believe that there's value in it. So I saw the value not only on my side as a designer that it would make my life easier, but I also saw how it could influence their business and the clarity that they would get and the clarity of who they're talking to, all of that, that is worth so much. And so I believed so much in it. So that would be number one. Number two, at that time, I was showing examples like, hey, this is what I did with this previous client. I think it's very closely related to what you're trying to do. And I would show an example, whereas I don't do that anymore because it's based off of the questions that I ask now. But during that time, I felt like that was like my crutch. That was what gave me confidence is like, I just did it with this client. It worked really well. So I can show this, this new client. Um, but yeah, it, it was scary. But I think because I believed in it so much, I was like, hey, client, if you're not going to do this phase first, I can't work with you because I, that's how much I believed in it. Like, I'm going to walk away from this project if you don't agree to do it, because I know that is what is pivotal to making this whole project work, is if we do that first. It's like you're interviewing each other. And, and that that is a really, really hard place to get to, especially if you know that financially you could benefit from just doing it and making sure that everything's covered for the month or whatever, you know, especially if you're just starting out. So I, I completely understand. And I hope people really listen to how important, you know, that that was significant advice. Now, you mentioned it earlier, kind of softly uh, about not convincing clients. This, again, is another mindset. We're kind of moving past brand strategy at this point and just talking about just straight entrepreneurship. I could tell you as someone who I, I know a little bit that I realized before Chris now I could say this, but all I did was pitch. I was locked, cocked, and ready. If I had a referral, I was telling them how awesome video is, why video is the most important thing, why short form content is awesome, why LinkedIn has the best organic reach, everything. And it was like, I look back and it was like, I was outside of myself. I'm like, I didn't think I shut up for like 15 straight minutes. Talk to me about why convincing clients is actually a very poor practice. And if you've if you used to do that, how you overcame it? Oh, I used to do that. I think it's our default. Maybe, maybe I'm assuming here it was my default. I know that. It sounds like it was your default. Oh yeah. Um, it's it's like if we if we want the job, we're like, okay, I'm going to explain my process. I'm going to show case studies. I'm going to tell them why this is good for their business and why they're making the wrong decision and that their website sucks. And it's like if we want it, we want to we want to push that much harder into convincing and to showing because we have all the data. Look, look at, we have all this proof that what you're doing is wrong. You need to do this other thing. And yes. So I used to do that. Um, and I used to get really nervous, like, Oh, I, I got to explain myself. And I, and I just felt like I was on stage every time that I got on a sales call, like, okay, got to prep for this. I got to like, what's my routine and what's my, my presentation that I'm going to have. And through working with my coach, he showed me by him demonstrating it to me. So he would ask me questions and I would have to answer sometimes very uncomfortable questions. And through that process, he taught me not only by demonstrating it, but also telling me that like when you're in front of a client, they care about getting to their goal. They care about like how you're going to help them. And to do that, and this is the weirdest, like mindset shift when you're used to pitching is to put the lens on them. And the only way to do that is to ask them questions. And it seems so counterintuitive, so incredibly counterintuitive because we want to just dump process and examples and results and case studies at them. And we think that's going to convince them. That is not. We have to, we have to connect to the emotional part of the brain first before we can go to logic. And that first, that connection that we can make with them is putting them first, showing them that they're valuable, what they think is valuable, what their problem is. Because if we start talking, we overly talk, we start assuming what their problem is and what all their objections, like we don't even think about what their objections might be. We don't even let them talk. And we need to hear from them. We need to, we need to put them first. And again, the only way to do that is asking them questions so that we can fully, fully comprehend the problem, how they view their problem, even if we think we know what their problem is. We need to hear it out of their mouths. They have to know what the problem is that they're dealing with, and they have to be able to articulate it. And we can ask questions to help them get there and get clarity on it. But when we start talking and just pitching at them, we are assuming we know what they're dealing with, and we assume what's best for them. And they need to be the ones that say it. They need to be the ones that come to that conclusion. Yeah, I have 
I don't think I'm ever going to erase it. I should probably just put it in permanent marker. I have a dry erase board and I wrote the other day, let the idea be theirs. And I don't mean the idea to hire me or whatever. I just mean whatever they come up with, like let it be theirs. And if I'm part of that equation, then great. If not, then hopefully I helped them in another way by at least connecting them with my network because I have a good network. But I, I love that. And I, again, like, Everyone should really be taking notes or replay this or timestamp it or whatever. But I want to get into one of your posts here. It says sell brand strategy without a portfolio. And this is what inspired me to reach out to you right away. And it's a true story, it says. But I want to remove the brand strategy part. We've talked about some penetration pricing. We talked about free work. We talked about you getting case studies. We talked about A-B testing and some of these things. Now, if I'm leaning a little bit towards someone who's making a complete pivot or maybe someone who's coming as a aviator in the Marine Corps and coming out to do videography or storytelling or whatever it may be, and they don't have these things, how am I going to build a portfolio when I actually can't even show, here's some design work I did in the past or here's some stuff I did in the past on my phone, <laughs> on iMovie? Like, where do you start when you know, maybe, and, and you know what, let me clarify something. Maybe it's not going to come to fruition, but you really want to explore it. How can you do this and, and get approached or approach people and seem less risky without a portfolio? I have a process for this. So the first step would be understanding who you want to serve. Just to start with, you don't, it's not set in stone, just to choose who you're going to start with. So who, what type of person generally speaking. So um, it helps if you can narrow it down to an industry just to narrow down who you're going to go talk to. Type of person that might have um, a similar goal. So you could say like a real estate agent or just pick a demographic, an industry, and then go talk to them. So you're going to want to do some research. So I would have conversations with them. And what you want to find out is what do they aspire to do? What's their dream? I would ask them from a few years ahead, like, wh where do you hope to end up? Or if you're, let's think of like, you're already three years ahead and tell me what has happened in those three years. Um, you know, the Dan Sullivan question, that one. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so asking them about their aspirations and where they hope to end up. And then I would ask them, what's the challenge in getting there? Have you hit any obstacles in getting there? And keep asking them, what else? Tell me more. What else? Tell me more until they have completely exhausted everything that they have said and come to a very core problem of what's going on. And the, this is what you, why you're doing this, because you want to know the people that you are serving so well that you could articulate their problem better than they can. Because if you can do that, they will assume you have the solution. That was not my original idea. That came from many podcasts of, you know, listening to Pat Flynn and uh, Brian yeah, Harris. Yeah, I've had him all, on. He's awesome. Yeah, he's Yeah, amazing. all those guys. Um, I think I heard it on one of his episodes. And and it really stuck with me because that that made me see that if, if a client feels understood, if a customer or client feels understood, they will assume you can help them with it. And I've experienced that on the end of me being the client, hiring a vendor. And a vendor keeps asking me questions and really trying to understand what I'm dealing with and what my problem is and what my problem is in getting to my goal. I'm like, oh, you get it. You understand. So I trust that if you know my problem that well, you can actually help me get there, at least find somebody that's going to help me to get to my goal. So that would be the first part. So that's the research portion. It's talking to as many people as you possibly can that fit that um, description of the type of person that you want to serve find out what their aspiration is, find out what the obstacle is in getting there. Then what I would do is run a kind of what I did with doing it for free, but you don't have to do it for free. You can run a beta round or you can pilot some type of program where if you understand where they want to be, what their issue is, and you feel that you can solve it somehow, you can create a product or service that solves that, then develop a prototype for it. So make an outline for it. Don't even build it yet. Don't build the product. Don't build the service. Make an outline of what you're thinking it could be. Go back to those same people and say, hey, I remember Remember when we talked, you said you wanted to do this. You said this was your problem. Well, what if I were to build this thing? And here you go. Here's, here's what I'm thinking. If I do that, would you be interested? If they say yes, you can even ask them, would you like to pre-order this? Because if I get so many people that are interested in this, I'm actually going to make it. 
So you can actually get funding for this from the people who are going to buy it from you before you ever build it. And that's something that that's a process I use now in my course creation. So anytime we come out with a new course, we're beta testing it. We're, we're even beta testing, like I said, the outline, like we're going and doing research. Then we go back to those people and say, would you want to buy it? Here you go. You can pre-order it. Then we get in the sales and then it gives us funds to go out and build it. Because the thing is they're buying into really their goal and their, their problem over just your solution. Like we think so much that, that they're buying our solution. They're buying our process. That's a vehicle to get them to their goal. What they're really bought into is where they want to end up once they use your thing or your service or your product. That's just a vehicle to get them there. So they're not so concentrated on that as they are on, oh, you're going to solve my problem and you're going to get me to that place I want to get to. I'm in. Here's the money. Take it. If you can if you can get me there, then awesome. And you can do it at a discounted rate. You don't have to. So that's a way to get around doing it for free and then getting funding for it even before you build it. Yeah. I mean, I've not quite heard it like that. And I think that is a fantastic strategy for anyone who desires to help others the same way you do. Now, I have to play devil's advocate. I used to be a complete cynic when it comes to people trying to sell me something or problems or whatever. And like a lot of our beliefs about sales come from the interactions that we've had with salespeople. And, you know, it's it's like almost like a trigger, right? It's like ridiculous. Like you hear certain words or approach a certain way or ask a certain question and you're just like, here we go. You know, but when you are talking to these people and you kind of help them uncover some of the problem and then you know, you get to the point where it looks like it's a potential to do business together. And again, I'm playing devil's advocate. I could be like, we just literally had a conversation. Like, that doesn't prove she could actually help me just because she's interested. Like, it's fine that she's sincere about understanding what my issues are, but that doesn't mean shit. Like, I need to know exactly what you're going to do. And now all of a sudden, you're in this weird purgatory place where they want to know exactly what you're going to do. They want to know the process. And you're like, here we go. Talk to me about if you've encountered that and how to approach that, obviously, in a way that's empathetic and and productive. Yeah, I actually haven't experienced that exactly, but I, I think I might be able to think of why that might happen. Why that happens is there's not enough trust built there. And that could be for different reasons. One is they don't know you from anyone. And so there's this random person talking to them about their problems. And it's like, oh, you just DM'd me on LinkedIn. Like, this is really weird. So if you can get people that you do have some kind of a link to, that does build in trust right away. So if you can ask your circle, hey, I'm looking for this type of person. I'm looking for um, dentists in this area. Do you Who do you go to? So then you, when you approach this person, when you can ask them questions, you say, hey, I just talked to so-and-so. They know you. They recommended I talk to you. And instantly that does build some trust right there. There's other ways of building trust where you can be building audience an audience on the line that you can be giving free value on there. So you're showing up and people can see that you are credible, that you're not just a random person out of the blue that's coming to them. That does help too. There's a different ways of building trust. The other trust uh, way to build trust is actually in that conversation. So once you've gotten to the point where you're on a call with these people, that that conversation can build a lot of trust. It can also break some trust too. If you come off salesy, if they see that you just have a hidden agenda, but if they do see that you truly want to help and they have enough trust to stay on the call with you. So if you, you got them there in the first place by some kind of connection or something that they're like, okay, like I, I can talk to you. I don't feel like you're pitching me anything. And you can even say like, I'm not trying to pitch you anything on this call. I truly want to help. I've seen this issue or I've dealt with this issue. I really want to see how I can help people. Would you be open? chatting with me about it and just having a real conversation with them. And you might get people that are like that. And that's when you show them the outline of, Hey, this is what we plan on doing. It's a beta run. Things are not going to be perfect. It's going to be rough. Here's what you can expect. As long as you say that up front to them, they should be okay with it. But I think if you're having issues with that, then attack the trust issue. So that might be, you might want to create some content online. You might want to find a connection instead of going just cold DMing people, that really would help. Yeah. You mentioned, I think, when we were about to record, you know, should I talk about how I want to teach people how to help other people, right? And I have to say, from listening to you on some role plays and things before, like, there was just a 
a level of timidness, so to speak, and and maybe a lack of confidence. And obviously, I don't mean that derog- you know, in a derogatory way. It's just, it's very clear to me. I've seen the growth, but I have your Instagram pulled up and I want people, you can't see those people, but I want to tell you, and there's a point to this and I'll get to it, but here's some of the titles of, of some of the carousel posts. Your goal isn't to finish a brief, the reasons you aren't getting more clients. If you feel you aren't getting enough work, raise your rates first. Confidence will follow. What does your client really want? This falls into the category, to me, it looks like you're on the offense in a very positive way. And I made a podcast recently talking about how I believe personal branding is less about why, even though you and I both subscribe to Simon Sinek and start with why. But right now, I believe it's actually a lot more about how to, how much can you educate some people and a mentor, both to you and me, someone like Chris is an expert at that. It seems like you've had substantial growth, not only on the platform, but in the business. How much has educating others impacted you personally and professionally? Oh, it's huge. It is huge. I feel like I have gotten so much better at my own craft of what I do because I teach other people. And I actually do run a course, but I also teach on, you know, with free content. No matter how you end up doing that, I highly suggest it. If you want to get better at what you're doing, at the craft that you're doing, go try to teach someone because you're going to have to break it down very simply and why it matters, why you're doing what you do. And then what's amazing is when you teach someone else, they receive the information and then they sometimes spit it back out to you in a different way that you never saw before. And that's like, I get so rewarded and I learn more from my own students because of the way that they are interpreting it and how they communicate it back to me, what they just learned. Or would they go try and they they bring it back to me? And I just feel like I have learned and grown so much because I've also coupled my craft with with teaching as well. We'll kind of wrap here, but like your course and your boot camp, I told you before we started, like it's unbelievable. The testimonials, the feedback, like people would pay to have some of the screenshots that you have and some of the kind of case studies. I mean, I think I read something one woman said, I, I got a $5,000 client and I didn't even show them any work. And I'm just like, we all want to get there. But can you talk to me about the community that you've built? It seems extremely tight-knit. What is the, the common thread there between everyone literally just wanting to learn and, and execute on their business? Yeah, the common thread, I would say the growth mindset. So they're willing to try, they're okay failing because they know they can learn from it. And they also know that they have an extremely supportive community behind them that is emotionally available, intelligent, and they're okay. They're okay being vulnerable about that. Like I feel very blessed that the group that we have, when we get on calls, we'll ask people how it's going and they'll be honest about it. And they'll be like, hey, I had this client call. It did not go well. I felt really scared. I totally flubbed up. And they'll share those things with us. And I'm like, this is rare. <laughs> this does not happen in very many places. And I think part of it might be because I was like that on camera on YouTube and for, you know, hundreds of thousands of people to see. And so <laughs> I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I will share what I'm feeling and totally flub up on camera. And and I think because I I started that way and people know me from that, that they feel safer, that they too can show up like that as well. And so I think that um, that probably is is a big portion of it. And then we also, it's application-based too. So we are looking and scanning applications for the growth mindset. Like, are you taking responsibility for yourself and your business and where your business is going? And clients are difficult sometimes and hard, but are you, are you blaming them? Or are you actually taking responsibility for what you can do and how you can can move things forward in your own business. So that's what we look for. But I think we're already just attracting um, the type of person that's emotionally um, intelligent and vulnerable and willing to not put on a show like they're some, you know, expert, like they're, they're learning. We all are. And we all will continue to be. Completely. This goes back into, and I know we talked about it probably like 10 minutes ago about trust though your ability to be vulnerable. And I, you literally brought me back. I, I believe I was watching something and you have to keep the YouTube videos open to watch them if it's on your phone. So I'm like at the gym and like, usually I just listen to something, but I was watching something and it was so funny because you were doing a role play and in the middle of the role play, you're like, I don't know what to say. Like you completely just like, or like absolved yourself of it. And here's the thing though. 
Like you were willing to do that. You did it in front of a lot of people and that is literally leading by example. So now people are going to be like, I'm going to show up in this group and I'm going to say whatever the hell's going on. And I already know that, like you said, you're emotionally available and people think that's like fluffy, but that's real life. And that's exactly why it seems like you're having the success and your your students and your counterparts are having the same success. So I think it's fantastic. I cannot thank you enough for all the things that you've shared here. Uh, where can people find you and where can we learn about your course? Yeah, you can find me. Um, I'm mainly on Instagram under Melinda Livesey, Twitter, Melinda Livesey underscore LinkedIn. If you want to learn about the course, you can go to marksandmaker.com and you can learn about the course and everything else that we're doing. That's right. And actually, I'll ask about this at the very end because I was on Marks and Maker and I saw it says about and then it says journal and then it says resources and apply now. I'm like, journal? I'm like, is this like her journal? But it's like a blog. What What was the thinking behind that? Because I, I think it's great and it looks fantastic. So you should all go to it if you're listening. But what was your thinking behind that? Thank you. Um, I, I think I saw someone else call it journal and I was like, I like that word better than blog. Like, 100%. I don't know. Blog which wasn't as appealing, so... It looks fantastic. Uh, I'm actually excited to read a bunch of it. Well, look, everyone, uh, you know where to find her now. Uh, please send her a DM and say hello. One of the reasons I, I'm usually confident reaching out to people as it is, but I actually reached out to her once when I had a small problem. And next thing I know, I had like three voice messages. And I'm like, well, that is above um, you know, above and beyond, in my opinion. And, and that's how I knew everything that I had already been seeing was just completely true. So thank you for that. And um, we'll see you next time. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. Go follow Melinda on Twitter. Go follow her on Instagram. Go to marksandmaker.com. Check out her journal. She's got a lot of good things going on. I know you can tell through the interview that she is completely and utterly focused on helping you. She's helping you if you're trying to teach people. She's helping you if you are a designer who's looking to be a brand strategist. She's trying to help you understand that brand strategy is not some fluffy, mythical nonsense that is just someone trying to um, sell you something for your business along with everyone else. And this is critical. This is critical. I've learned it the hard way and I'm still ironing it out. But talking to people like Melissa reminds me that this is just something that can't be overlooked, okay? And if you overlook it, it's just because you're lazy or you don't care about who you're serving and how to position yourself to serve them. Look, we continue to rank. You guys are fantastic. Uh, please DM me, give me some feedback. You know, make an IG post if you've listened to something. Make sure you're sharing it, please. That is, the word of mouth is the best, best thing. I, I just, I'm thrilled whenever someone is sharing the episode, whether it's on IG or whether they're sharing it via email or whatever else. But also, written reviews on Apple specifically are tremendously helpful. And look, that's that's all I ask. Uh, if you have any questions for me, you could always reach me by DM on uh, Instagram at richcardona underscore, or you could DM me on LinkedIn. And last thing, if you are uh, stuck on your personal brand, you have no idea where the hell to begin. It's less than $30. Go to richcardonamedia.com backslash personal branding. We will see you next week. Peace.